Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it. Hello, Melissa. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm feeling a little loopy today. How are you? I also feel a little loopy. I think it might be because tomorrow is a mandatory fun day at ConvertKit. So if you don't know what that is, basically ConvertKit is nice enough to every now and then give us a work day off. And the only rule is that you have to go do something fun. So I can't remember exactly where the idea came from. I know it was from a Twitter thread of someone who Mm -hmm. talked about if employees are given time off, they normally use it to do like work around the house and, Mm -hmm. you know, just knocking things off their to-do list. And that in order to like really rest and recharge, we got to have some time to do things we enjoy. So ConvertKit gave us time off specifically for that. So Mm -hmm. I honestly haven't figured out what I'm going to do for my fun day that is enjoyable. I need to do some non-enjoyable things like packing for a trip I'm going on, but Mm -hmm. I got to find something. Do you know what you're going to do? I'm not 100% sure either. I actually was thinking about going to get a massage, but I have a gift certificate to a specific place. And I think they're, I just didn't book it far enough in advance. So I don't know if they will have anything available, but if not that, I will try and find something fun to do. I do also have to do some unfun things tomorrow, like wedding planning to-do list. That's very long of just like things we need to knock out so that I don't have to think about them anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm also going to be packing for my trip for the next weekend so I can just get it done. But I don't feel like I can complain about any of those things. Yeah. I mean, at least we get some time away from the computers, which is always nice. Exactly. Yes. Well, I'm glad we get to podcast together before we go do that and before I'm off for a week. But let's hop into it. Today, we're going to talk about the difference between B2B and B2C deliverability. I feel like this is something that comes up fairly often in our conversations with customers, Mm -hmm. and we haven't really hit on this before in the podcast. So I think it'll be a good conversation. Yeah, I see this quite a bit. And I think it's it's one of those things where maybe it's just me, but I feel like once you kind of start diving into the differences between B2B and B2C, and we'll kind of go over that in a minute, but once you start diving into the difference between those kinds of email addresses, you start to understand deliverability at a different level and why kind of how all of like delivery, deliverability works differently depending on certain scenarios. So I think it it actually will help give hopefully all of you listening a different viewpoint on on all of this, like you said, that we've never really touched on before. Yeah, exactly. And you probably know this, but just in case you don't, B2B stands for business to business and B2C stands for business to consumer. So basically you can think about it as if you're sending an email to someone and they have a custom email address that's usually like their work address. So let's say they work for Netflix. It might be billy at netflix.com. That would be a B2B email exchange because you are sending from your domain something about your business or brand over to someone who's also using a business email address. And then B2C, business to consumer, it would be like when you send emails to Gmail addresses or Hotmail addresses. So people, you know, with just with normal personal email inboxes that are usually like free email addresses. And 
each sender has sort of like a different mix of those sorts of email addresses. For some of our senders, they send to 98% B2C addresses. Most of their list is Gmail, Outlook, Yahoo, people like that. And they might have just a small amount of those business addresses. So they don't really need to think about B2B deliverability very much. And then we have some senders who most of their lists are B2B addresses. And so they have to be really concerned about B2B email deliverability, which is almost its own separate beast. Mm -hmm. And that's for at least ConvertKit customers. That's a lot of our like teacher bloggers. You know, they sell Mm -hmm. items on Teachers Pay Teachers and uh, have a lot of resources for teachers. And those teachers will usually sign up with their teaching email addresses. And that deliverability is way tougher Mm -hmm. than the B2C deliverability. Yeah, I had an interesting question come up the other day from a potential migration customer. And they said that whatever ESP they were at, they were having issues delivering addresses to, I believe it was a mix of .edu and .gov. So, you know, government-related addresses, people working in the government. And they were asking, you know, what what things can ConvertKit do differently to help get those messages delivered? So I kind of thought we could sort of discuss like, what can an ESP's role be in this delivery to these kinds of addresses? And is there a lot that the sender can do or have control over and also the ESP to be able to get messages successfully delivered to those kinds of addresses? Yeah, I love it. That's great. I think the first thing in answering that question is kind of looking at how are the B2B and B2C emails different? The main thing is that the goal of those mailboxes are very different. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot that goes into that that we'll talk about. But if you think about a B2C email address, so, you know, someone with a Gmail, Hotmail, whatever address, the goal of their inbox is a lot different than someone who's using their mm-hmm. .gov address, for example. The free email addresses, B2C addresses, they're using that inbox for basically consuming, a lot of consuming. So um, marketing emails, their scheduling, appointments, doctor's appointments, anything personal. Your mom emails you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then for B2B addresses, the main goal of those usually are for communicating with coworkers and clients and more task-oriented, business-focused. Mm-hmm. So marketing emails that land in B2B inboxes are typically treated more like spam, even if the person signed up for it. Right. Well, and that's kind of the point that I really want to send home, I guess, with this particular episode is that you as a sender are not doing something wrong by not being able to have certain messages delivered to B2B addresses. And one thing to really consider is that not only are those inboxes meant to be typically more organizational and meant between coworkers, but there are organizations like schools and government entities that their only goal is security. So it's really important to think about the fact that While there are some things you can do for better deliverability to those kinds of addresses, you're also kind of fighting with the, you know, innate nature of these mailboxes, which is to protect the people who are using those addresses. So, I mean, as you can imagine, if you work for the government and you have a .gov address, the last thing they want is any, like, possibility 
of being able to have a fissure or some kind of attack through email. And so you kind of have to look at this through a different lens of not just, I'm a sender and I want my emails to be delivered to this address. It's not always as black and white as, oh, let me just not add URLs to the email and then it will be successfully delivered. It's so dependent on the organization and the security measures that their IT teams are taking to manage these types of domain addresses. Yeah, that's such a good point. It's sort of like the person with the B2C email address, they are in control of their inbox Mm -hmm. way more. It's like they own their inbox. And Mm -hmm. it's sort of like if they invite you over to be a house guest, and then you show up at their house, and they're like, oh, yeah, great, I invited you, come on in. But the B2B addresses, they belong to the organization. Right. The person, you know, who works at the organization or is a member or whatever, they have their mailbox, but really that mailbox is in control of the organization. So it's sort of like exactly. that individual inviting you over to their place of work mm-hmm. and then you show up to a government building or yeah. a school. You need the access card to get in. Yeah. And the security guy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then sometimes you'll get let in, but you're going to be met with much higher scrutiny. Exactly. And you can't necessarily be surprised if you don't get let in, especially when it is like a .gov or .edu Mm -hmm. address, because like you just said, Melissa, their top priority is safety. Exactly. So they're always going to prioritize that over someone getting a newsletter they signed up for. Right. And another little piece of that too is like, I have my, I think it's a Yahoo address from when I was 16. I think it's Melbell. 22 at yahoo.com. Uh-oh, I love it. I know, right? I've had that forever because I'm the owner of that mailbox. I signed up for it. If I work for the government and I lose my job, that mailbox will be disabled. Right. I no longer have access to that information anymore because I am no longer a part of that organization. So that's another piece of that to kind of keep in mind when it comes to like messages bouncing to B2B addresses. There's not always an issue of that organization not accepting it or you as a sender doing something wrong, it's possible that that mailbox has now been disabled because that person no longer works there. Yep. And that's just a really good point. Like when you're sending to a lot of B2B addresses, you can't be too attached to delivering to them because they can be turned off at any second. I know my Mm -hmm. college B2B address. It's like, that's that's gone. It's gone. And I was signed up to a lot of stuff. So you're going to see higher bounce rates probably if you have a large B2B audience and you just kind of have to... The reality is that you're going to see more delivery and deliverability issues if you have a large Mm -hmm. B2B subscriber base. And potentially another thing that I just thought of would be skewed metrics, which is a whole nother... Huge (laughs) one. (laughs) It's a whole nother slice of the pie when it comes to sending to B2B addresses. Again, with those strict security settings, there's no guarantee that their firewall or spam filters will not be checking every link in the email and cause non-human interaction clicks. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Like you said, Alyssa, you can't be too attached to the metrics you get from B2B sending and like deliverability because you can't control the other end of the spectrum. Yep. That is one of the biggest, I would say, like ticket generators we see Mm -hmm. from customers who have a large B2B subscriber base is they say, "Um, why is my click rate, you know, 90%? That doesn't seem right. Or I sent this email and right after I sent it, I saw a ton of clicks. Like instantly. Or opens. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then we have to look and we're like, yeah, those are B2B addresses. And that is one of the 
downsides of having a large B2B audience is that, like we said, their mailbox's top priority is security. So a lot of times they have it set up to where their filters are going to click every single link in the message and check it to make sure it's safe. And then they place it in the subscriber's mailbox. So um, that is a tough part of B2B delivery and something to be aware of. There are some things you can do as a sender to optimize as much as possible your delivery to those kinds of mailboxes. So for example, we've talked about this in past episodes, but adding a URL like link directly to in your email, that can actually cause issues at at B2C mailboxes as well. But especially with these stricter B2B addresses, you'll want to avoid kind of anything like that that could cause suspicious like flags basically. So they'll see like the URL and think, oh, this looks like phishing or, you know. So there's kind of a list of other things like making sure that you're you're using HTTPS links instead of HTTP links. That's also a recommendation. Your sender reputation is also very important when it comes to sending to send it to these kinds of mailboxes. And then also content can play a bit of a factor. So those are a few things. Can you think of anything else that I'm missing from that list? Those are the main ones. I think I could get into like some ESP stuff you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Basically, my point of view is that the ESP you use can help with B2B delivery, but it cannot guarantee it. Mm -hmm. There are some things that's just going to be tough no matter which ESP you're using. Because again, you might be sending to a mailbox that really the person who controls the mailbox does not want any promotional newsletter, whatever it is, type of email to get through. However, using an ESP with really strict compliance and a compliance team that's monitoring things in the background, that's going to help make sure your sending IP isn't on any major block list. And they're just going to make sure that you're sending from an IP and domain that have a healthy reputation. So that's always extremely helpful for any deliverability, but especially B2B deliverability. Mm -hmm. But then even if you're on the best ESP in the world, there's still going to be a lot of hurdles to get into the inbox of those B2B addresses. And yeah, the metrics (laughs) is another issue that's going to be there. There have been times where somebody, a subscriber who has a domain address, you know, B2B address that would like to receive emails, maybe they work for a really small organization and have a relationship with their IT team. There have been times where we have said, well, if you really want that subscriber really wants to receive the sender's content in their inbox, they could ask their IT team to allow list convert kits IP addresses. That is something that from time to time, you know, we can recommend, but it's so dependent on whether or not that particular subscriber has that kind of relationship with their IT team. You know, I think it's probably less likely that if you work at CNN and you have like it's a very large organization that you're able to go to your IT team and say, I really want to receive this promotional email. Can you, you know, allow us these IP addresses? But if it makes sense and you work for a smaller, your subscriber works for a smaller company, that might be an option too. Yep, definitely. I would highly recommend if you have an audience that tends to give you a B2B email address, I highly recommend on your form, your opt-in form, Mm. tell them like, hey, please provide your personal email address. Mm -hmm. Some people will actually have on their form like, put in your work address. Um, Just because I think they assume people will look at that more often and monitor it more often. But in this instance, I would say 
to push people to give you their personal email address because you're going to have a much easier time reaching the inbox if they have a free B2C mm-hmm. email address versus that more secure B2B address. Yeah, that's a good point. I This is a little off topic, but also kind of goes with this. I had a conversation again the other day with a migration customer who was asking questions about how to like they were saying, should I let my audience know that I'm switching ESPs? And I was like, you could. I mean, I tell people all the time, like, be honest with your audience, Mm -hmm. have transparency, ask for their help. People, if they support you and open your emails and like your content, I would personally be more than happy to allow us someone sending domain in my email address or respond to their message or help them make sure that that email gets into my inbox. So I just, I guess, piece of advice is if you feel weird about asking people to put in a specific kind of address, like, please don't use your work address or whatever. Like, I think if you're providing content that people really want to receive, you're so much better off being honest and transparent with your audience and asking them to help you out Mm -hmm. than to deal with like the frustrations of maybe someone who really wants to receive your content and then ultimately doesn't end up getting it because they sign up with a B2B address. So yeah, all that to say, like, I think it's, it's helpful sometimes to hear it from someone, but just sometimes, you know, it doesn't have to be like, you're this person on the other side of the curtain, like making all these moves. Like you can tell people what's going on. It's yeah. You know what I mean? I think people like that. And yeah, it can even create like a closeness between you and your audience from the get go because I completely agree. Yeah. If you are someone selling teacher pay teacher items and you have a newsletter for teachers, you're probably, you know, you were a teacher yourself at some point or you still are. Mm -hmm. So if they sign up for your form and they see that you say, hey, school mailboxes can be really tricky. Please provide your personal email address instead of your school email address. Teachers can immediately resonate with that. I know I was a teacher. Right. Me and my friends who are still teachers talk about it all the time because the email addresses for teachers are insane. Yeah. And the deliverability is crazy. Everything goes to spam. So I think like that's, it could be an immediate connection point between you and your audience and showing that you understand them and that you want them to receive your emails. Love it. Alrighty. Well, I feel like that was a nice little overview. I think most people listening to this podcast probably have mostly B2C audience, but in case you're someone with a more B2B audience, if you need some extra help, some extra eyes looking at your deliverability um, and want some recommendations, please feel free to reach out to us and we'd be happy to take a look. Sounds good. Hey, hope you all have a great week. We're going to go have a mandatory fun day. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We'll see you next week.